Hi and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant, Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you are currently looking for a new home church, we'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at either our 10am or 4pm service. For more information about our Sunday service or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this great message from Sunday service. Are you ready? Awesome. Well, we're continuing our vision series. If you haven't uh, been with us the last couple of weeks, uh, I've been preaching on vision. Vision is so critical because it sets the trajectory. It sets the course for your life. As you see, there you go. And it works that same way spiritually. Your spiritual vision sets the course of your life. And it's important that we have clear vision for how we are to live out our lives. And this is why it's so important that we adopt a Christian worldview, that I choose to see the world through the eyes of Scripture, that I'm not just going, I mean, a lot of different things shape our worldview. My parents shaped my worldview. I grew up in the United States. That shaped my worldview. I I, I went to 13 different schools. That shaped my worldview. I have a quasi-weird accent because I've spent almost half of my life in Australia. That has totally shaped my worldview. There are so many things that shape our worldview, good experiences and bad experiences. And the goal is that we would allow Christ to literally wash our eyes so that we can see the world the way that he sees the world. And so then we talked about that, that we need to start to see a kingdom shift, a shift from churchianity to Christianity. We need to see the things of God, the kingdom of God established on earth as it is in heaven. Then I preached a message on the fact that faith is positive. To be a faith-filled Christian is to be a positive Christian. There is no pessimism or even realistic people. Did you know that, that faith is not realistic? Your Christian faith, it's, it's, it's actually a really hard thing to describe in reality that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. It's a really hard thing to describe the Trinity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one God. It's a really hard thing. This is why it's so important that we access that truth by faith and not just by our natural reasoning. You actually have two thinkers. You have a thinker in your mind which perceives circumstance. It perceives all, all the things that your natural senses can ad- and, and absorb. But then you have a spirit. And your spirit is designed to engage the things of the spirit. So when I got saved, I didn't get saved in my mind. I got saved in my spirit. Because my spirit perceives the things of God. And so it's so important that we learn how to see according to the things of God. And this is why faith is always optimistic. Because faith is the substance of hope. It's the scripture says in Hebrews 11 that faith is the substance of hope. So to be a Christian means that you have hope. Hope is positive. If you've got hope, you're believing that God is good. Even when you have water in your house. Even when things aren't going the way that you think they should be going. God is good. Today, I want to talk about vision to understand the signs of the times. I get a lot of text messages and 
You know, I always love it when you text me on Friday night at 8 o'clock. That's like my favorite time for you, for you, especially when I'm on holidays. That is my, when you text me at 8 o'clock on Friday night when I'm on holidays, I'm just, I'm loving that. I'm just like, yes, more conversation with church people. And, um, and so when I always get 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock Friday night, I always get a text message that goes like, hey, is the COVID vaccine the mark of the beast? Friday night, 8 o'clock, Paula and I are out in the city on a date night. I'm looking my best. Paula's looking her best. And ding. Oh, Sally wants to know if, if it's the mark of the beast. I've been asked a lot about what's going on globally. Is this Russia thing? Is it, is it the beginning of the Armageddon? Who is the Antichrist? And it's funny that we are trying to find answers that Jesus does not explicitly give us. I'm convinced, and, and Christian, you need to hear this. Everything that we need to know with specific detail is already in here. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that we know in part and we prophesy in part which means I don't know it all, nor can I prophesy at all. I know in part, and God only gives me part of it because if I had it all, well, then I would live by knowledge and not by faith. And I'm called to live by faith, which means I don't know it all. I don't have all the answers. I don't know who the Antichrist is. I have no idea what Putin's doing and when he's going to stop. I want him to stop now. But I don't know what's going on around me, and so I've got to live by faith, and I need to see the world the way that that, that God sees the world. We have so much going on around us. This COVID pandemic has really upset the world. Governments have behaved weirdly. The United States is a disaster. Vaccine passports have hurt so many people. I've seen a lot of people, you know, I've said this before, but our nurses in 2020 who were fighting on the front lines with no vaccine, gave in their lives, putting their lives on the line when it was real bad, are now this year's unemployed if they don't take the vaccine. Our economy is all over the place. Try to buy a house. My house has escalated $300,000 in 12 months and that's great but it's not great if you're trying to buy a property at the moment and to be honest with you I kind of wished it didn't because I don't need the equity I just I've still got the same mortgage (laughs) we've got global turmoil we've got countries invading countries and it's important that we know how to see the world around us through the eyes of God Otherwise, we're going to see it with our natural senses. And I don't know about you, but it can be really daunting. It can be really intimidating. I went surfing one time. One time. (laughs) My buddy convinced me. He goes, James, let's go surfing. We went out to Alexander Headlands. We paddled out about 150 meters out. I was exhausted by the time I got out there. And he's like, watch this. And he caught the first wave in. And I'm sitting on the board, right? You know how surfers do with the board here and your legs are dangling in the water. 
and I saw no less than 1,000 sharks. <laughs> could have been 1,067, could have been 1,072. There was at least 1,000 sharks swirling around me. And the fear, the fear gripped my heart. I, I, I started crying. I was 35. I was so scared. I've seen too many movies. I literally laid every piece of me on the board and paddled my way back in. Put the board on the beach and waited until he was done. I could see him, even though there was not a shark in the water. It's amazing what you see that's not even there. It's amazing. And if I'm a Christian and, and I'm not a pessimist or a realist, my faith makes me an optimist. This is why Jesus says, rejoice in your trials. Even when you've got bad stuff happening around, you've got tribulations and trials happening all around you, you can still be joyful. You can still be hopeful. You can still be faith-filled because you believe that God is for you and he's not against you. But Jesus does talk about understanding the signs of the times and he talks a little bit about how we're to posture ourselves in those moments. And I want to unpack scripture and I've got a fair bit of it. And, and this is not really a pointed sermon today. This is, I just want to work through some, some chunks of scripture to help us to understand the words of Christ because Christ is my anchor. Christ is how I choose to see the world and I need to understand things God's way. It's not, it's not, I'm not trying to get my mind around God. I'm trying to get God's mind in my mind. I'm, that, that's something that we often, we often get wrong. So in, in Matthew 16, it says the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Just so you know, anytime you read in your Bible, Pharisee or Sadducee, just read religious elite. They're the religious know-it-alls. They were Jesus' favorite people. Not. Do you know, of all the people that give Jesus the grief, it's the religious know-it-alls that give Jesus the grief. Who were the ones that crucified Jesus? Pilate wanted no part of it. The Romans wanted no part of it, but it was the religious elite that always crucify other Christians. So the religious elite came testing him, asking that he would show a sign from heaven. And Jesus answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you can't even discern the signs of the times. Jesus is saying you can discern the weather. You can discern the weather about as good as Anastasia Palaszczuk. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. Shots fired. I'm angry at her right now because I had kids home on Friday. Friday's my day off and I didn't want kids home on Friday, so I'm a little dirty about it. I was surrendering it in Dan's prayer, but I'm still holding on to some of it. He says, you can't see 
You can't perceive. You can't read the Spirit. What he's talking about is you can't see the Messiah that is in front of you right now. It's so important that we are seeing things God's way, allowing him to open our eyes, and, and we're reading into things, but we're not reading into things too much. It's like a fine line of discernment, right? It's like, it's like I'm discerning that things are going on, but I'm not finding the Antichrist in every politician that has ever existed. There's a, there's a balance here. And then he gives us Matthew 24. If you haven't read Matthew 24 lately, it's so encouraging. Be edified, friends. Let's get into it. It says, then Jesus went out and, and departed from the temple and his disciples came up to him to show him the building of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be left here upon another that has not been thrown down. And Jesus is talking about the destruction of the temple. But he's also prophesying that he is the temple and that he is going to be thrown down. He's telling us that these earthly things don't matter. In verse 3, he says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be this sign of your coming and at the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come saying that I am the Christ, many will and many will be deceived. You know, they say, Jesus, when is this all going to take place? And Jesus doesn't actually answer them. In a moment, we're going to unpack some things, but we need to put them in context. But I just notice he doesn't say, oh, that's going to be happening on um, the 6th of March in the year 2022. He's not clear. Many will come saying that they've got the right truth. They will have the right way. They'll have... Uh, the right religion, they'll have the right system for your belief. Many will say, hey, look, uh, you think you know and deceive. There's so much deception. In, in verse 6, he goes on to say, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars and see that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Whoa, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. See these things come to pass, but do not be troubled. The end is not yet. Let's put this in context for a second. Because I'll be honest, seeing Russia invade China makes me pretty nervous. And, and uh, Sorry, Russia and China make me nervous. Seeing Russia invade Ukraine and seeing what China is trying to, trying to do with Taiwan makes me nervous. Iran is talking about taking on Israel. I feel bad for them. I feel bad for anybody who wants to take on Israel. That's a bad idea. Jesus says these things must come to pass, but this is not the end yet. Take, take note. We, we have... We have this is written about 60 years before Nero 
comes into power, and Nero starts annihilating Christians. And think of the turmoil and all the wars that we have had since from then until now. You need to understand that every generation on the earth thought that the Lord would return in their lifetime. The disciples thought the Lord was going to return in their lifetime. The disciples believed that the tribulation was Nero. And then Nero died. And after Nero, you have more Roman persecution. And after that, you have barbarian fights. And then after that, you have have medieval fights. And after that, you have, you know, all the way to the, you know, I reckon, I reckon our grandparents' generation who were alive in World War I thought that was the end. And then World War II, no, this must be the end. And then I reckon in the 1980s, when you have the Cold War between the U.S., man, in the early 80s, they were preaching that this is the end. And you're going to hear of wars and you're going to hear of rumors of wars and you're going to think it's the end, but the end is not yet. Do not think that your generation is the only generation that ever thought the Lord would return in their lifetime. That's not true. And he says, and there will be famines and there will be pestilence and there will be earthquakes in various places. And all of these things are the beginning of sorrows. They must come to pass, is what Jesus is saying. We're going to have tribulations forever. And then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. Thanks, Jesus. That has happened. Who is Jesus talking to? Jesus is talking to all the ones that Nero and the Roman emperors went and murdered. Who else is he talking to? He's talking about Christians that are in the Middle East that are getting murdered for their faith. He's talking about Christians needing to not be deceived that there will be tribulations. There has been a a, a really, on on one hand, I, I totally believe the prosperity gospel that God wants us to prosper. On the other hand, the Bible talks so much about hardship and suffering and persecution. You got to hold both of those things. It is not God's plan for me to, God does not want me to suffer. It's not his heart. Of course, there's healing. Of course, there's deliverance. Of course, there's provision. But suffering is a critical part of it. If Jesus himself had to suffer, who do we think we are? Now, some people would say, well, Jesus bore all of our iniquities and bore all. And I appreciate that line of thinking because Jesus has brought the victory. The victory that we will experience is in the next life, ultimately, in a place where there is no weeping and no sorrow. But in this life, we're to rejoice when we're in the thick of our trials. So they'll deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all the nations for my namesake. Man, if that's not Israel right now, who's he talking to? He's talking to Jews. Verse 10, and many will be offended and betray one another and hate one another. Well, isn't that true? Everybody lives offended. And now in our society, we're, we're even more so offended. If I were to write on Facebook, I love bananas. 
Somebody would no doubt say, why do you hate oranges? I'd say, I, I, I wasn't even talking about oranges. I was talking about bananas. We're so woke and we're so offended. We're so brittle. We're so fragile that we can't handle any type of thing. Relax, though, because Jesus tells it's going to be like this. He says, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Many will say that they've got it all figured out. I heard a prominent preacher last year say that the, the Lord's going to come back in the next 20 years. I said, oh, does Father talk to you, but he doesn't talk to Jesus? How do you know what Jesus doesn't know? We've got to stay anchored in the world. This, this is really important. Then in verse 12, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Well, this generation is not the first generation to be lawless. In Romans, it tells us what the state of Rome was. I want to read it to you. It's in Romans chapter 1. It says, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who exchanged the truth of God into a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature or the created more than the creator who will bless them, who is blessed forever and ever. Amen. God handed the Romans over to their own desires and they worshiped them created. They worshiped themselves over the creator. Well, isn't that the state of humanity? We've been worshiping ourselves for a long time now. That's a major red flag. Whenever you worship your own self and your own selfish desires more than you worship the creator, you've got problems. For this cause, God gave them over to vile, vile afflictions. For even their women did exchange the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also men leaving their natural use of a woman burned in their lusts towards one another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of the error which was met. You understand what that's talking about? But it doesn't stop there. And even as they did as they did not like to retain God in their own knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, uh, debate deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, dis, uh, despiteful, pro, proud, boasters, Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. You get that one? <laughs> Without understanding, covet, covenant, uh, covenant breakers. Without natural afflictions. I should have pulled this out of the message. It would have been way easier to read. All right. 
who know the judgment of God that that which they commit, such things are worthy of death. Here's, here's the point. When we say that we're lawless, no wonder our laws are changing. Romans tells us that we stopped worshiping the creator and we started worshiping the created. Whenever I worship myself, I want my desires, my ways to become legal. So I change the laws of the land. Now, if you can't see that's happening around us, why do we... I think you've got to be an ignorant Christian to think that a pagan government is going to uphold our belief system. So whenever the government talks about euthanasia, I go, here we go. Pagans being pagans. They don't hold the sanctity of life that we hold. Whenever they're talking about changing laws, so, 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 so here's the thing. This, this is where I want to land. We need to see the way God sees, but then there's, there's some critical things that we need to set our vision on in, this, in these last days. The first one is found in, in I'm going to go back to Matthew 24. If, if I've lost you, I was in Matthew 24, and then I was in Romans 1, and now we're going back to Matthew 24. In verse 13, after he's given us all the tribulations and all the, the wars and all the pestilence, He says in verse 13, but he who endures to the end will be saved. And here's the first thing I think that that, that Christians need to see. We need to see perseverance. We need to see endurance. There are so many things that are vying for our attention and vying to distract us. Nobody ever gets married thinking they're going to get divorced. They're all idealistic when they get married. And then they go, yeah, let's get married. And then five, seven, ten years, however long in, oh, let's not be married. We didn't make it to the end. Jesus promises that there's going to be hardships. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and all kinds of horrible things. And then he says, he who endures to the end will be saved. I I have no idea if this tribulation is the tribulation that sparks the Armageddon and the return of the king. I'm going to go on history that maybe it's not. I don't know that I'm going to see the Lord return in my lifetime. But I do know that I need to persevere until the end. Now, do I need to persevere until the end of the Lord returning? Yep. But what if I die first? I need to persevere until my own death. What do I need to persevere with? Truth, righteousness, serving the Lord. That whatever goes around, whether it's the mark of the beast or whether it's the COVID vaccine or whatever it is, that I'm going to persevere in the Lord until the very end. And I'm not going to allow compromise to get the better of me. Not money, not business. Now, by the way, money and business are great. They're very helpful. But I am am a Christian with my eyes set on Jesus, and and I am going to persevere until the end. I'm not going to allow other things to come and get me off of what God says is true and right. One of the beautiful things about the internet is there's so much information on the internet. There's There's some great stuff out there. Whenever you have a 
you know, a funny thing going on with your body, you can go and Google it. One of the horrible things about the internet is it's full of information and it's not all good. All the preaching, all the things that we're filled with, we're filled with so much stuff that it actually confuses us. Jesus tells us that many will come to him and say, Lord, did we not prophesy? Did we not heal the sick? Did we not cast out demons? And Jesus will say, yeah, you did. And then he will say, but depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Can I tell you this? We just listed off all the sinful, evil things. But we also have all the the self-righteous things. I can prophesy and I can do this and I can heal the sick. and, And I think neither one of those things are where Jesus is at. Jesus is is here in the middle. He's not the religious elite, nor is he out carrying on. Jesus is asking us to walk the line where we follow his path for our lives, that that the kingdom would matter. Then in verse 14, the next verse, he says, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. You want to know when the end will come? When we have successfully evangelized the world. We've got to see the gospel preached to the world. Living in your bunker, watching YouTube, unvaccinated, is not going to bring the return of Christ. It's actually vaccinated and unvaccinated, going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature so that every human on the earth would have the opportunity to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That is it. And yet somehow we've gotten a little bit off the mark. No, I'm I'm not an evangelist. I'm a business owner. I'm a nurse. I'm a I'm a teacher. I'm I'm whatever. To be honest with you, I don't care what you are, as long as your eyes are on preaching the gospel to the world. This is the mandate of Jesus. This is the only thing that Jesus spoke about. He never spoke about building fat bank accounts. Although I like to have some money in savings. Please hear me. I'm not saying that these things are bad. I've got great equity in my home. I think it's important to be debt free. I think it's important to have financial stability and security. But he didn't tell me to have financial stability. He told me to go into all the world. Until we start to see this as vital, until we start to see our neighbors the way God sees our neighbors, we're missing it. We don't have God's worldview. We have our own selfish, narrow worldview that I only ever see what is right in front of me. This week, I was away at a conference, and there's a phenomenal pastor in, in Australia named Pastor Phil Pringle. He, he is an apostle, and he had the opportunity to pray for me, and he prayed for me, and he prayed a, a prayer over me that messed me up, and we, we've got it on film, and the, the film image is terrible, but if you can hear the audio, um, uh, this, this really is a word over us and a word over our church. Can we, can we play that, please? 
Pull your spirit out. Wow. I, I see a whole hall full of young people jumping around, worshiping. I see a, it's a music-oriented youth revival. It is like music, singing, music, singing. Lots of lots of bands, lots of musicians, lots of singers. I see that there's there's no seats in the hall because they're just standing all the time, jumping, laughing, carrying on in Jesus' name. It is it is going to be a real move of God for a period of time, and then you will build out of that something solid and enduring in Jesus' name. It will touch many nations. Out of that youth group, Papua New Guinea will be touched. Indonesia will be touched. Vietnam, Cambodia, many places. Southeast Asia. By the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, Heavenly Father. Thank God. Touch him today. Your grace and your power. Amen. That's our third word about the nations. Pastor Phanelene Sparks had a word over us about churches around the world. Pastor Jenny Gilpin had a church over, a word over us about churches around the world. You have to understand, I'm not trying to fill the red chairs in North Lakes. I reckon through Ray Bartram and Tyler and Leo and, and our Hayden and our young worshipers and what God's doing through Nate and Kate Malia and, and, and they've got a real heart for the, for the nations. Nate, before I asked him to be the youth pastor, he, he said, we've got a real heart for missions. Until we see getting the, the message of Jesus around the world. And yes, we're working here right now. This is where we're focused right now. We're building something here. But we're, we're going to the nations. This is where we're going. And, and so we've got to be kingdom-minded in the way that we approach life. We've got to see things the way God sees them. When I came to Australia... I sold everything and left everything behind to come to Australia. I, I, I have no car. I had nothing left back for me in the U.S. Some baseball cards. I'll get them here one day. Or I'll sell them and give them to missions. I don't know. We'll plant a church with them. We, we've got to see ourselves as building the kingdom, that we're not just running meetings. We've got to see ourselves as the word of God has to go global. There are people that don't know Jesus. Do you know that there are, are Ukrainians getting killed right now that don't know Jesus? Do you know that there are Russians that are killing that don't know Jesus? The, the world needs Jesus. And we, until we see that as critical, we're, gonna, we're, we're just treading water. We're just marking time. We're, we're just, and, and I just, that, that's just not what we're called to. Here's the last one. I invite the worship team to come. We got to see that which is eternal. We got to see that which is eternal. In verse 29, Jesus says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heavens. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. What? When the Lord returns, it's not celebration. When the Lord returns, not, the church isn't going to go, yes, Jesus is here. That's what we're all waiting for. Scripture, Jesus himself says, 
when the Son of Man appears in heaven and all the tribes, that's every tribe will mourn as they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with the power and great glory. And he will send his angels with the, with the great sound of the trumpet and they will gather his elect from the four winds from every end of heaven. Why will they mourn? I reckon that, that the non-Christian is going to mourn because they're going to be confronted with the reality of Christ. What? How did I live like this? Why did I? What? I reckon the Christian's also going to mourn because they're going to say, oh, I've got, I've got 17 investment properties. but I didn't lead anybody to Jesus. Your 17 investment properties will not matter when the Lord returns. You've got to see the eternal. Some of us need to lift our vision. Maybe you've got vision to buy a house. Great, what's your vision beyond that? Maybe you've got vision to have a baby. Great, what's your vision beyond that? Sometimes we get so hung up on what's right in front of us. Your vision is to do up your gardens. Your vision, please tell me your vision is greater, it's bigger than that. Please tell me that there's something of the kingdom of God inside of you, that you're seeing prophetically the things of God being released through you. Some of you, I'm just trying to get a job, James. I'm convinced that the devil loves to mess around with us and Get us playing defense. Because if I'm playing defense with my kids or my money or trying to get a job or, or if I've got health complications, if I'm playing defense, then I'm not playing offense. I, I showed that message to Ray. I was like, Ray, you got to believe, not just for another bass player. At the moment, we only have, we, we've got the jack of all trades. But we only have one drummer and we have one real bass player. And you hear a word like our music is going to go all over the world. <laughs> Lord, that's great, but I just need another bass player. Sometimes we lower our vision to just one more bass player. Instead of seeing what God could do around if we could just lift our vision. Lift your vision to see the greater. You've got to see the end times. We're, yes, I believe that we're, we're one of the generations that's in the end times. Am I going to see the Lord return? I don't know, but I've got to endure to the end. We've got to see the, the gospel, the truth of salvation. There is nothing. You know, old people are going to die and go to hell. Young people are going to die and go to hell. Rich people are going to die and go to hell. Poor people are going to go to hell. Until we bring Christ to the world. And sometimes we just get so hung up on the little thing that's in front of us. My prayer is that God would shift your eyes to, to see more, to see the greater. I love this verse that Jesus gives us in Matthew 6, 19. This is not an offering verse. I'm not taking up an offering. But just listen to this. Jesus specifically says... This is how many generations ago he's telling this to? Do not lay up for yourself treasures 
on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm not receiving. This is not an offering. But I'm just so challenged that where's my vision? Is my vision on the natural? Is my vision on the things that moth and rust destroy? I'd really like to have a motorbike. Is my vision on trying to get a motorbike? I'd, I'd really like to go to America with my family. Is that where my vision is? Or is my vision for the kingdom to advance? It's okay to have desires. But I just, I want, I want my life to matter for the kingdom of God. Would you stand to your feet for a minute? In John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life abundant. I love that sentence because it tells us where Jesus' vision was. You know that there was nothing about Jesus that was Jesus-focused. Jesus' eyes were always on other people. Even when Jesus is hung on the cross and he's got nails through his arms and his feet and he's in agony, he's, he's suffering. He says, hey, John and mom, come here. Come close. And he says, John, this is your mother. Mother, this is your son, John. Look out for each other. Jesus is hanging on the cross knowing that he's about to breathe his last breath thinking about his own mom and John. Everything about Jesus' vision was on other people. He's hanging on the cross and he says, Father, I see all my killers. I see all my murderers, but forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus' vision was always on other people. But we love to just, I don't know about you, but I, I have this, I've got, I've got lazy eyes. And my lazy eyes get focused on small things. Focused on things that don't matter in the kingdom. Come on, would you just lift your hands for a moment? Holy Spirit, I'm aware that this message is going is to land different for each one of us. Lord, at the end of the day, I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. But we want the truth of your word to wash our minds and to wash our eyes that we would have vision like you have vision. Come on, put your hands on your eyes just for a moment. Father, help us to see like you see. Help us to see people like you see people. Help us to see our time and our money and and our lives, our families, the way you see them, God. Help us. Lord, I don't want to be a Christian in title, God. I'm not interested in churchianity. I'm interested in, in what you have to say. Lord, help us to see the world the way that you see the world. God, I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live intimidated. I'm not going to be intimidated by wars and rumors of wars. I'm not going to be intimidated by, by viruses or by flooding. I will continue to hold a posture of faith, a posture of positive hope. 
that you are good and you are faithful in the midst of everything that goes on. Lord, we will continue to rejoice in your goodness. Right now, Lord, even in, in, in what's happening in Ukraine, God, we lift up the name of Jesus. We lift up Jesus over Ukraine right now. Lord, I, I, don't, I don't even know how this stops. I don't know when this will stop. But God, we ask you for nothing less than revival. God, we ask, Lord, that the church of Europe would just, Lord, just let there be fire. Every time there was persecution, every time there was, every time there was trial and tribulation, the church has thrived. As, it tri as it's thrived in Asia, it's time for the church to thrive in Europe, God. We speak right now just a release of your kingdom in Ukraine. A release of your kingdom in Russians right now, God. We bless. We bless Russians. We bless Vladimir Putin. We bless, we bless them in Jesus' name. We bless them. Lord, we thank you right now that you've got a salvation plan. You've got a salvation plan for them. And Lord, we ask you right now that you would soften their hearts. As you soften Pharaoh's heart, we ask you that you would soften their heart. Lord, we thank you that the church right now is going to be mobilized. The church is going to start to see a global mandate. Lord, that we're not just a parochial little local thing that's just trying to fill some chairs on a Sunday. We're, Lord, we're believing for more than just another bass player. We're believing for whole teams to go over around the world, God. We're believing right now, Lord, from a shift of local to a shift that is global. God, I, I'm tired of living for my own selfishness. God, help me to see beyond my own selfishness, to see the kingdom, God. Father, help us to not see ourselves as helpless. Sometimes these problems seem so large, we just go, what could I ever do to help? You know, we've got floods all over, and it's like, well, what, a bottle of water could really help? Father, I pray that you would help us to see ourselves as part of the solution. Show us, God, what little part we can play. How can we serve our neighbor? Lord, how can we serve? How can we be a blessing? How can we get our eyes shifted as you see others? Help us to see others. God, we ask you for souls. Lord, I'm not interested in Sunday attendance. I'm interested in who's, who's coming to know Jesus like we know Jesus. Lord, we lose hope, God. Hope over our city. Hope for salvation. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this message. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship.